welcome to the Vineyard Cleveland podcast. We hope you enjoy this message. For more information and other resources, please visit vineyardcleveland.org. If you want to take a time of silence together just to steal a moment with God, you don't have to do anything. There are no words on the screen. Well, there are, but there are no words on the screen for you to read. You don't have to think about worries, concerns. You just have to behold the presence of Jesus. So put the presence of God in your mind. We won't go for long this morning. I know these times of silence have been encouraging for a lot of you. Some of you have come to me and have told me um, that you've loved it so much that you've implemented it at your work. You pull the shades and you turn down the lights and you take a minute at work in your office to just be silent with God. The simplicity of just holding Jesus before us and just being in his presence. You don't have to do anything. There's, there's no Facebook post that you have to like right now. There's no grocery store that you need to go and fulfill your needs for food this week. There are no children calling you, needing you. Right now, just with God and you. Let's just take a moment together and then I'll read this morning's scripture. Come Holy Spirit. Center our hearts, center our minds on you, Jesus. Fill us. The body is a unit. Though it is made up of many parts, and though all its parts are many, they form one body. So it is with Jesus Christ, the Messiah. For we were all baptized by one spirit into one body, whether Jews or Greek, slave or free, and we were all given the one spirit to drink. Now the body is not made up of one part, but of many. Jesus, I thank you that you are walking the rose this morning in the presence of the Holy Spirit. And so we say, Holy Spirit, we want to know you. Will you come? We want to know more of your dreams for our hearts, for our marriages, for our family, for our city, for our neighborhoods, for your world, God. Come dream your dreams over your people this morning. Wake us up. Wake us up to see the way that you see, the way that you see us, the way that you see our friends, the way that you see our enemies, the way that you see our city, the way that you see our world. God, would you wake us up and give us eyes to see what you're doing? We want to step into all that you're doing and all that you're dreaming over the city of Cleveland, and we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. So we've been in a series called The Wild Goose, and the reason we're calling it The Wild Goose is because it's a series on the Holy Spirit, and the Celts, the Celtic people during the Middle Ages, just felt for them that the image of a dove was just too tame. You could domesticate a dove 
and a wild goose, they said, you know, the Holy Spirit that we know, the Holy Spirit of God is not so much like a dove, a calm, gentle dove. No, the Holy Spirit is like an obtrusive, abrasing, abrasively honking wild goose that you can't tame or domesticate. And so we've called the series On the Holy Spirit, The Wild Goose. And we sense that God is doing something in that for our community, that there would be a way or a perspective that we could enter into and could journey in that would reveal that God is not someone that we can contain or can control. God is in no one's back pocket this morning. That's the reality. That we can't figure out God. God is not some science project that we have to figure out and know all of the answers to. He's not tame or domesticated. So we feel like there's something of that in in the series for us as a community. And so for the first three weeks, we talked about, well, who is the person of the Holy Spirit? And we laid a foundation for who the Holy Spirit is. And we said that he's less like the force from Star Wars, although we are all for the force from Star Wars here at Vineyard Cleveland, Jedi Masters as we are. But the Holy Spirit is not like that. The Holy Spirit is not a thing. The Holy Spirit is a person who dwells believers in Jesus. And so we laid the foundation for who the Holy Spirit is. And today is like a fulcrum point or a hinge in which we'll begin now to start talking once, now that the foundation is laid, to start or begin to speak of the things that the Holy Spirit does. What are the activities of this person, the Holy Spirit? How, how do we read the things of the Spirit? And so I know of no other place better to do that from than 1 Corinthians 12. So we're going to read 1 Corinthians 12 verses 1 through 14. It'll be up here on the screen for you to follow along with. If you don't have a Bible, we have Bibles on either side of the stage. We'd love for you to have one. They're free gifts to you. We love God's Word here at Vineyard Cleveland, and so we're just going to read that together. Paul writes in 1 Corinthians, now about the gifts of the Spirit, brothers and sisters, I do not want you to be uninformed. You know that when you were pagans, somehow or other you were influenced and led astray by mute idols. Therefore, I want you to know that no one who is speaking by the Spirit of God says, Jesus be cursed, and no one can say Jesus is Lord except by the Holy Spirit. There are different kinds of gifts, but the same Spirit distributes them. There are different kinds of service, but the same Lord. There are different kinds of working, but in all of them and in everyone, it is the same God at work. Next slide. Now to each one, the manifestation of the Spirit is given for the common good. To one, there is given through the Spirit a message of wisdom. To another, a message of knowledge by the means of the same Spirit. To another, faith by the same Spirit. To another, gifts of healing by that one Spirit. To another, miraculous powers. To another, prophecy. To another, distinguishing between Spirits. To another, speaking in different kinds of tongues. And to still another, the interpretation of of tongues. All of these are the work of one and the same Spirit, and He distributes them 
to each one just as he determines. And then lastly, what we just read, just as one, just as a body, though one has many parts, but all its many parts form one body. So it is with Christ. For we were all baptized by one spirit so as to form one body, whether Jews or Gentiles, slave or free, and we were all given the one spirit to drink. Even so, the body is not made up of one part, but of many. Lots of slides this morning. I'm sorry, Jules, but I know you'll do a great job. A lot of slides, a lot of stuff to work through. So the heading in your Bibles might read spiritual gifts or who has gifts of the Spirit. And we're going to talk about what, um, what the gifts of the Spirit are and see how that's been read through history and how it's been read over the past 50 or 60 years. And right off the bat, Paul says that he doesn't want us to be what? Well, that's a negative connotation, but uninformed. He doesn't want us to be uninformed about the work of the Holy Spirit in our lives. And the paradox is, is that this was written like two millennia ago, and we're still kind of in the same place. Generally, we are uninformed when it comes to the things of the Holy Spirit. And so the goal this morning is to begin to change some of that, to begin to get at like what, what is really the work of of the Holy Spirit in the church today. So how do we read the work of the Spirit? Well, in the last 50 or 60 years, um, the church is coming from like a spiritual gifts type of framework. And if you go through Life Track here at our church, we employ, we implement some of those spiritual gifts surveys. And this is a relatively new thing in church history if you go back through the ages to the time of the first disciples. Over the past 50 or 60 years, here's how it's been read. And though we employ it or implement it here at Vineyard Cleveland, it's not the end-all, be-all. But here's how it's been read over the past 50 or 60 years. So, you come to faith in Jesus Christ. You come to see him as Messiah. And at the point of conversion, or depending on which teacher you're listening to, in the baptism of the Holy Spirit... We'll get to that here in a few weeks and what that means. But as you begin to follow Jesus, you receive one or maybe two, if you're like an X-Men superhero, um, spiritual gifts from the Holy Spirit. And you get these gifts and their gifts or abilities to work in uh, your world to bring about the kingdom of God. Now there's nine listed here in 1 Corinthians, what we just read. There are seven more in Romans 12, like things like serving or mercy or compassion. And then there are five more in Ephesians 4, um, like pastor, apostle, teacher, missionary, these kind of things. So there are like 20 some odd like gifts of the spirit or um, what uh, commentators would call um, spiritual gifts. Now here's where it gets tricky and here's where I think that it's become off kilter in the way that we view spiritual gifts. If uh, you know it would just be me but and you would say, oh, blasphemous. How could you say this? But look at that heading and take a big black sharpie to that word spiritual gifts or gifts of the spirit and just cross it out. Here's why I say that. Here's why it's 
uh, off kilter a little bit because it's extremely difficult to translate in the Greek to English. It's not a good translation. Regardless of who you talk with, whatever side of the aisle people sit as far as if they are of Reformed background or mainline denominations, Catholic, Lutheran, Pentecostals, Charismatics, non-denominational, everyone is saying this is a poor translation. To call what Paul says in verse 1, spiritual gifts, is a poor translation, but no one knows what to do with it. So what do we do with it? Let's just call it gifts of the spirit or spiritual gifts. The Greek word is, I wish, I wish Angela were here again this morning to help me out. Oh, there you are. So pneumaticos, pneumaticos. Is this correct or am I way off? Okay, let's just cut. <laughs> okay, pneumaticos or pneumaticon. Now, the... The translation in the Greek literally means spiritual people or spirituals. And here's why it's difficult to translate. Because this word, which has actually been translated into a phrase in 1 Corinthians 12, gifts of the Spirit. This word, it's one word in Greek, pneumaticos. It's actually one word, spirituals, and it's even... Even trying to get it out to you, it's difficult. It's, it's an adjective without a noun. So it's describing, it's descriptive. I can't say it's describing something, right? I can't. It's an adjective without a noun. And so it literally means spiritual. So here's my framework. I think that Romans 12, the gifts that we see in Romans 12 are not spiritual gifts. In fact, I would argue that there is no such thing. Here's why I say that. Because the word pneumaticos, spiritual, and the word for gifts, charisma, in the New Testament, are never, not once, used side by side. Never together do you see the word charisma for gift and pneumaticos, spiritual, side by side. Let me explain. So this is technical stuff. We'll be out of the woods here in like two minutes. <laughs> Bear with me. So the list of gifts in Romans 12 are describing, I think, natural things that you are geared for, that you are wired for. I would say, so you could include with teaching or with like mercy, you could include like Sarah for baking. Have you had her cookies? It's pretty close to a spiritual gift. Have you had Evan Hammersmith's chocolate cake? Well, if you did, you would know he's got a propensity. What do we say to people if they're really, really great at something? Say, yeah, man, you're gifted. You could add like basketball, athletics. I'd like to think that fishing is in there somewhere. This is a gift, yes? That these are natural things that we have a propensity towards. Then I would argue in Ephesians, these are just, not, they aren't spiritual gifts, they're just types of leaders in the church. It's not relegated to one gender or the other, it's a man or a woman, could be a teacher, a prophet, a pastor, an apostle. These are just different functions to lead the church forward in kingdom life. 
And so I believe that what we have here in 1 Corinthians 12 is a list of pneumaticos, is a list of spirituals. Or, I like this definition better, and write this one down. Deep theology coming. Are you ready? The stuff the Spirit does. This is a list of the stuff the Spirit does. And maybe it's your first time here this morning, or maybe it's your 10,000th time here this morning, and you're thinking, why does, I don't even care. I don't care about this. What does this matter? Here's why it matters. Here's why it matters. Because if we're correct in interpreting this as pneumatica, the stuff the Spirit does, look at the other word in verse 7. It's phenorosis. It means, I love it, the manifestation. It means the unveiling or the revelation of the Holy Spirit. Meaning like when you see any of the things on this list, you think to yourself, that's God. That woman was sick and now she's well. That's God at work. I was lost in confusion, and then the message of wisdom came. That's prophecy. That's the work. That's a manifestation. That's the phenorosis, the unveiling of the Holy Spirit in my life. Here's why it matters. This is why all this stuff matters, even if you don't care. Here's why it matters. Because if this is correct, it means that all of these things, all of these pneumaticos are open to everyone who follows Jesus. This is what you don't get in the spiritual gifts frameworks. This is what you don't get, right? Because you can, true story, go online right now and sort of like a Myers-Briggs, on your phone, like a Myers-Briggs test, and you can take spiritual gifts survey. We give them back there to help lead us, to, to give us insight to where people are gifted or whatever, but you can take a test. But what happens if you come out of that test and, and you're like, what gives? I get serving? And that guy gets prophecy? I get serving and she's got healing? I've got set up and tear down? And they've got miraculous powers? What gives, God? You see how this can be problematic? So it means that it's open to anyone who follows Jesus. Here's the bottom line. Don't read this list and ask, I wonder which gift I have. Rather... Read this list and think, these are the things that the Holy Spirit of God wants to do through me as a follower of Jesus. These are the things that God wants to do through you and I, through ordinary, everyday people manifesting or unveiling or revealing the work of God in our own lives to the city. Okay, so you've gotten through all of the tough technical stuff. Basically, the game plan for this morning is to give an overview of these nine um, pneumaticos, these nine manifestations of the Holy Spirit, and then uh, in subsequent weeks, in subsequent Sundays, dial in to each one individually and go more in-depth with them. So, buckle up, take notes. If you're not taking notes, feel real guilty, and here we go. First, first, the, me- the message of wisdom. 
the message of wisdom. We read in 1 Corinthians 12, 8, to one there is given through the Spirit a message of wisdom, to another a message of knowledge by means of the same Spirit. A message of wisdom is a message or word from the Spirit through you, and here's the key, to someone else who needs wisdom to navigate life. Now, we all need wisdom to navigate life. Is, that, is it just me? We all, who needs wisdom to navigate? Okay, all right, we've got some honest people here this morning. That's great. We all need wisdom to navigate life. However, some things you don't need a word of wisdom for. Why? Okay, say you're five years into your marriage and things just aren't the same. You know, he's put on like 20 pounds and it's definitely not from CrossFit. And you're wondering, should I divorce him or her? There's no abuse in the relationship. You're wondering, should I divorce him? No, that's meant to be a joke. No, why? Because Jesus is super, you don't need a word of wisdom for that. Jesus is super clear that marriage is between a man and a woman and it's until death do us part. You don't need a word of wisdom for that. You just need to open the Bible. (laughs) Hey, there's a great idea. But say, for example, and I'll use an example from my own life, um, Sarah and I were about midway through our time in Augusta, Georgia. We, were, we lived and worked in Augusta, Georgia for like five and a half years. And we're like midway through the time, and all, our time there, and all, through, um, I don't know, just the, the oven timer being done, ding, like there was this thing that went off in us that said like, it's time for you guys. It's time for you guys to step into fullness. It's time for you guys to enter into a season of senior leadership. And so we thought, oh, great. Well, we'll pursue that. And so we pursued that sense of what we felt God was calling us to. It was being affirmed by our leaders at the time from an outside source. Follow this, guys. Yes, this is on you. This is something you need to follow. And so during that time, we pursued church planning and taking over maybe an existing church. And we were just kind of going one foot, left foot, right foot at, at a time and just seeing what God would have for us. Well, there was one church we, we felt pretty sure that God was calling us back to Ohio. We're born in Columbus, and we felt like God was calling us back to Ohio. And there was one vineyard church. It was like a small vineyard church out in the middle of nowhere, and and they had expressed interest in Sarah and I coming to be their pastors. And so we went to this small little town, and we went, and we interviewed, and I preached, and it was wonderful, wonderful people there, but we left feeling just like not a sense of peace from the whole thing. There wasn't like those, there weren't like those quiet waters of peace in our spirit about like coming and actually doing life with these people. And so they called us back once and they said, hey, what do you think? Do we have a deal? That kind of thing. And we we're like, well, we just don't have peace about this. Can you give us some more time to like pray about it? We needed wisdom. So around about that time, Sarah has this dream. And the dream is that we're like somewhere, it's like when she told it to me, this is what I picture. So correct me if I'm wrong. But like we're out in like the Pacific Northwest, like Seattle, kind of green everywhere, rainy, mossy. And we're on over 
this canyon, and her dream is that we were getting set to walk out onto the suspension bridge that was made out of wood planks. You know the one? But the wood planks were all broken down and battered and just mossy, and she knew if we were to all, as a family, step onto that bridge that we'd fall into the canyon below, and it wouldn't be good for us. It would be detrimental to us. And so she felt like as she woke up that that dream was referring to this church community if we were to accept this position. And so we were st- they called us back and they said, well, where are you guys at? We said, we still don't know. We just don't have peace about it. Can you give us a little bit more time to pray about it? So we went to where we go a lot of times. We went to our mentors and set up like this FaceTime meeting with Alan and Catherine. Our mentors, Alan and Catherine Scott, uh, were living in Ireland at the time. And we mentored uh, on, they mentored us. Uh, we interned with them for a year. And so we call them up. And we say, guys, we just don't know what to do. We're just like stuck. It's a wonderful group of people, but we don't really feel peace there. And so Alan and Catherine began to encourage us and affirm us. And and Catherine in her five foot one frame, just like really sweet, but just so full of authority. She's just like, well, guys, I just get the sense that this, this little church, it's just like this old rickety wooden boat. And it's got all these holes in it, as we describe the church. It's got all these holes in it. And, you're, and if you want to put your family in that boat, you know, go ahead. But you're gonna, that boat's going to need pulled up on shore. You're going to need to patch every single hole before you can set it out and sail again. And if you're willing to do that, well, then you should take the job. But if you, don't, if, you're, if you don't feel willing to do that, then you shouldn't. It was like the light switch went on for us. This opportunity was not for us. We did not want to put our family through that. And the rest is history. We said no to them three and then four times. I said, don't call us again, please. We've heard from the Lord. I mean, for all intents and purposes, it looked great. There was a trout stream five minutes from the church. I'm like, God, this is great. Of course you're calling us here. But that's not what God had for us. It was very, very soon after that I met folks from Vineyard Cleveland. And within January of the next year, we were here. That was the message of wisdom. Okay, that's the message of wisdom. Sometimes you need a message of wisdom to help you navigate life. That's what Paul's talking about. Man, I'm going to have to hurry. Message of knowledge. The message of knowledge is similar to a message of wisdom. It's a message or word for someone else that you could only know through the Spirit of God. It's something that you just know, and you don't know why you know, but you know in the Spirit of God. The example I like to use is that I was in Africa last February, this past February, and we were buying little trinkets and stuff for our kids, like little, you know, rhinoceroses and stuff for our kids to bring back as souvenirs. And there's this young man at the, uh, vend- at the vending place selling us stuff, trying to sell us stuff. And the moment I saw him, I saw over his forehead the word dreams. And the Lord was like, dreams, ask him about his dreams. And I'm like, I'm just trying to buy a little ceramic elephant. I'm ready to go home. And he's like, dreams. And so I'm like, 
hey man, um, and my friend Arnold, the pastor at the Ringa Vineyard, is translating for me, and I'm like, hey, what's going on with your dreams recently? And he looks at me like I'm crazy. And he begins to share that for the past 14 days, he's been having these crazy, crazy good dreams because he's given up drugs and alcohol 14 days ago. And he's been waking up every morning with these beautiful dreams. So that was a twist because in my mind, I was like, oh, he's having nightmares. And God was like, he's having good dreams. And tell him, tell him, Evan, tell him that those dreams are from Jesus and Jesus is the one who's filling him and he wants to have relationship with this guy. So I begin to share with him the message of the gospel and he starts crying, just tears flooding in his face right, right there in this market in Oringa in Tanzania, Africa. And he gives his life to Jesus. That's the message of knowledge. There's no way I could know that about the guy no way that I could know for the past 14 days he was having dreams. The main thing here, guys, is that um, you should always ask. Knowledge is power, yes? So always ask, never accuse. If you feel like some dude is like having an affair and God's giving you, the, giving you this thing to call out in this guy, don't go up and be like, hey man, you're having an affair? No, you don't do that. You go, hey man, let me just ask you, like, how's your relationship with your wife? And kind of get, it at, get at it from that way. Does that make sense? Next, um, faith by the same spirit. We're not talking about like faith, like saving faith by following Jesus. But this is an extraordinary faith to do the impossible. And I love what John Wimber says that faith is. John Wimber is the founder of the vineyard. And he said, faith is spelled R-I-S-K. One thing is true, that if we want to operate or manifest this, um, this uh, manifestation of the Holy Spirit, you and I are going to need to step out in extraordinary risk for Jesus. Faith is spelled R-I-S-K. Quickly, gifts of healing. Healing is when God makes someone whole again. And this could take place physically. It could be like somebody's cancer. They're sick with cancer and they've been made well again. Or spiritually, this could be like an addiction to pornography or an addiction to drugs or alcohol. And the Lord comes in and heals them spiritually. This could be an emotional healing like a father wound from deep in your past that God wants to heal inside of you. It could be relationally, like with a son or daughter who's walked away from faith or with a parent or spouse, that there's been mistrust introduced into that relationship. The point is, is that Jesus doesn't just want to heal your cancer or your cold. Jesus wants to heal all of you. The key word there is wholeness. God wants to make you whole. Now, this is a slippery one because there are people who will go around and say, I have the gift of healing and then charge people money to get well. Yes, you're aware of these folks. Lord, bless them and give them grace. But I think it's a little bit less sexy than that, don't you think? It's, it's a little bit less like X-Men superhero power of healing. And it's more like the FedEx man. Because if you notice in the language, in the Greek, we read to another, singular, one person, to another, singular, gifts, plural, of healing. 
So there might be some folks who operate in this manifestation of the Spirit a little bit more often. I know that Liz operates in healing. She's also in a hospital like five, six days out of the week. So God would want to use her in order to heal folks. You see that connection? But yeah, it's like the FedEx man where you have like this package or this present for someone. Like God wants to make you whole. God wants to heal all of you. And so he gives you this gift to give to someone else. I remember uh, a woman, she comes uh, frequently, uh, sometimes infrequently, but um, she came one time and she came up to me with tears in her eyes. And I'm like, hey, how's it going? It was like during our ministry time. I'm like, hey, how's it going? She's like, I just want to say it's been three months. I'm like, what are you talking about? I have no context for this, like, conversation. She was like, well, you and some others, you guys prayed for me, and I haven't had leukemia in three months. I'm like, what are you talking about? Leukemia? Like, this is a pretty big deal. You would think that person would come to church the next Sunday. No, just living life because she's free, right? Isn't that wonderful? So we see healing on a pretty regular basis here at Vineyard Cleveland. And would you pray that we would see more of it? Everything from like big things like leukemia being gone, like going into the MRI MRI appointment and the doctor saying, well, I don't know what to call it. Let's just call it spontaneous remission because they don't know what else to call the the touching of God, of people to set them free and make them whole. Everything from that to like, I remember uh, a few months ago when this woman came in with like a bandage on her wrist. I said, what's going on with your wrist? And she said, I was chasing the dog and it ran down the stairs and I tripped and fell over the stairs. And I was like, oh my gosh, if anybody deserves a healing, it's for chasing a puppy down the stairs and accidentally getting hurt. Anyway, I start to pray for this woman, and Tovia's son, Dominic, um, is amazing, and he comes in, and he, he comes into church every Sunday. He gives me a big hug. He's like, how's it going? Blah, blah, blah. He's wonderful. So he hadn't seen me that morning. It was after the service, and he comes right up here, and he gives me a hug. He's saying, how's it going? I'm like, well, I'm praying for it. You want to help me pray for this woman's wrist? And we begin to pray for this woman's wrist. She had, like, sprained it or whatever. There was a bump on it. And Dominic is just, like, praying for this woman's wrist. And then all of a sudden, this little bump, this little bump goes like that. She takes off. She couldn't move her wrist. The Lord touches her. She takes off her bandage, and she starts moving her wrist around. Isn't that amazing? So good. Just this morning, this woman comes in. I don't know if she's still here or not. She had to go for like an appointment or whatever. She's not even here. She came in. She's like, my tendon is like hurting. I can't move. I'm shaking people's hand with my left hand. And so Rick Peach and I go back there and we just begin to uh, pray um, healing over her and that the Lord would touch her. And and then we get done with the prayer and she starts moving her arm around. Like her tendon, she's like, it's all warm in there, and what's going on? I'm like, well, that's, that's the Holy Spirit. He's like healing you. He's making you well. And she's, she said, it's not all the way better, right? We'll talk about that in a few weeks. Like sometimes healing is progressive, but it's better. And that's the point. Jesus wants to make our bodies, our minds, our hearts holistically well, the gift of healing. Miraculous powers, we read on. It's all over the scriptures. I have no story to tell you about miraculous powers happening at Vineyard Cleveland. You might have one that you'd want to share with me. But this is who God is. Miracles are supernatural events that occur outside the bounds of what is natural. 
I've heard stories, and I want to see you. If we're, if we're singing about it, we'll see it. Come on. If we're singing about it, we'll see it. I want to see it. We've heard stories in India of God raising the dead. John Mark Comer tells this story about one of his friends who's a Sikh and happens to follow Jesus. They're in this church service in India, and, and John Mark Comer says, I don't, I don't know if I, he's sitting in the back with this guy, and he's like, I don't know if I really believe all this stuff. You know, he's a pastor. He's a teacher out in Portland, Oregon. He says, I don't know if I really believe, you believe all this resurrection from the dead stuff. I mean, I, I, I'm, pretty, I'm pretty cynical. I'm, I'm pretty skeptical like that. I mean, I went to community college. Come on, do you really buy all this? You can't fool me. And, he's, and the guy, his friend says, oh yes, my wife. She was dead two days. We prayed for her. Now she's right over there. <laughs> And so we are a body of people, a community of people who do believe that the dead can come back to life, not just in a figurative way for your like soul or your everlasting salvation, but literally that Jesus can raise the dead. And we want to see that happen. We want to see that happen. Prophecy. We love this one. This is a really great quote from a book that I've read on Prophecy. Prophecy is a word or phrase or sense or dream from the Spirit for someone else, uh, a phenomenon that results directly from the access the Holy Spirit has to our minds, whereby He can create pictures in our imagination and supernatural dreams while we are asleep. He can put words, ideas, or scriptures into our heads with such force that we know that there is something that carries with it the responsibility to pass on and relay what the Holy Spirit has communicated. I just had this happen to me last week. I'm going into counseling. Yes, your pastor goes to counseling. It's a good thing. It's a good thing. I'd recommend that more people got in counseling. Why? Because in our weakness, we're strong. Come on, preach. So I'm going into counseling. And of course, as many of you know who have gone to counseling before, before you go into counseling, you're like, oh, crap. I'm going to have to talk about like deep things and like (laughs) fatal flaws with like my person. This is going to be a whole lot of fun. But it's actually a whole lot of fun. And I'm sitting and I, I, I walk into the waiting room and all morning I've been thinking about this thing of like freedom, that God's put on my life this sense of like freedom, like no religion, um, just freedom in the Holy Spirit. I carry something of that. I know that to be true of myself. And I'm just thinking about it, and I'm kind of discouraged, honestly, that morning when I walk in. I'm like, why am I not seeing more of this in my life? I thought I was supposed to carry freedom, blah, 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 blah. So I walk into the, um, to the counseling office in the waiting room, and I go and sit down there. And as soon as I walk in the room, there's like this weird girl with like these glasses. She's like younger, and she just like tracks me with her eyes like that. And I go and sit down. I'm like, oh, great. And then I I sit down and I pull up my phone. I'm like, you know, just scrolling through my phone or whatever. And she like gets up and I'm like, oh, crap. And she comes over and she sits right next to me. And she, she's just like, hey, um, can I tell you something? And I'm like, yeah. I'm like, this woman is crazy. Like, that's why she's here at counseling. She's definitely bananas. And she just starts to share this prophecy, this word from God. And she says, I just, I just see, you're just, you just like can't. And she's stumbling over a word. She's like, I'm shaking. I don't know why I'm shaking. And I'm looking over and I'm connecting with this other like older woman. And she's like, yeah, she's nuts. I'm like, yeah, she's nuts. It's crazy. (laughs) 
And she goes, she's like, you, I, you, you just carry freedom. And I just see this phrase over you. It's like freedom fighter and all the challenges and the, and the, and the struggles that you've been through. Like God's just going to use those to like set people free from like all kinds of stuff. I just see God using you to set people free from drug addiction, from all of this stuff and blah, blah, blah. And I'm like, oh my gosh, she's like reading my mail. She's like, this weird girl is like speaking these things over me, but it's totally a word of prophecy. It's totally God's heart. God gave this to her to give to me, to relay to me with such force. She like couldn't, she was like shaking in her way. That's the gift of prophecy. Or if you want to call it like something less weird for you, how about just call it listening prayer? Listening prayer. When we listen to the Holy Spirit of God and then share or bring forth with others what we feel like he's given us for them. Distinguishing between the spirits. Distinguishing between the spirits is the ability or the sense to know if something, an event, a conversation, a prophecy, a miracle, a manifestation is from the spirit of God or another spirit or a demon or another God. Do you know that right now there are spiritual forces? The word says that we battle not against flesh and blood. Your battle is not against me. Your battle is not against your spouse. Your battle is not against your family. Your battle is not against your terrible boss or coworker. You battle not against flesh and blood, but against powers, principalities, and authorities in spiritual places. That's what we're told. And so if you think that there are not spiritual forces that don't want to see what Jesus is doing here at Vineyard Cleveland carry into the city and spread and go deeper, you are crazy. I'm sorry, but you're just insane. There are spiritual forces that are out to get and to demolish and kill the work of God in our city and against Vineyard Cleveland. An example of this, there's this woman who came um, to me a couple weeks ago, well, her husband did, and shared with me this dream. And in the dream, she comes to the church, and when she comes into our church, she sees these three old witch-looking women, like old hags. And there's one in front, and the one in front is particularly ugly, and she says, we have authority here. She wakes up from the dream just with a sense of praying for our church, And so right now, we cancel the assignment of the enemy. That's control. That's manipulation and witchcraft. We say freedom reigns here. Jesus reigns here at Vineyard Cleveland. She's distinguishing between the spirits here. And so we pray freedom at Vineyard Cleveland. We say that things that were were fine and were wonderful. Things that will be will be wonderful in the name of Jesus. And so we cancel manipulation, we cancel control, and we speak the blood of Jesus over Vineyard Cleveland. We speak control out of your shoulders, out of your blood, control and manipulation. I'm not seeking it. Jesus just leads from a place of love. And so I have nothing to worry about. And we say no to control and manipulation and yes to the way of Jesus. That's distinguishing between the spirits. Speaking in different tongues or interpretations. This is when you speak in a tongue or language that you don't understand. It's not like I remember this word from like high school Spanish class, and so I'm going to say it. But it's one that you don't understand as an act of prayer and praise to God. 
The word here is a little, tongues is, that's funny, yes? That's a weird thing to say. The Greek word is glossa, where we get our English word glossary from. And we believe that this is like languages, prayer languages. We don't practice this on Sunday morning and as a whole for reasons that we'll get into when we discuss this but um, in more detail. But um, it's, it's like we're going to talk about prophecy. You guys will all come. We'll talk about healing. You'll all come and you'll bring your friends. We'll talk about tongues. No one will show up. <laughs> it's like that gets weird. But different languages that you, that you don't understand. Um, and this is the gift. Paul is pretty tricky and clever here, we think. This is the gift that we believe is for you and not someone else. Meaning, like he puts it last for a reason. Here's why we think he puts it last. is because there's so much emphasis on it today, like you would see in some Pentecostal circles. And if you don't speak in tongues, then you're not saved or whatever. We don't believe that. And we think that Paul puts it last because we think that it's important that Paul's saying, hey, it's a thing, but it's not the thing. It's a thing, but it's not the thing, right? So there you go. That's everything. I got to wrap it up. And I'm wrapping it up and saying that why are all these things shared with us? These things are shared with us These manifestations are given to carry on the kingdom work of Jesus. That's key. To carry on the kingdom work of Jesus on the earth. Isn't it awesome how Paul goes straight from like these manifestations of the Holy Spirit into what it means to be the body of Christ and community. We're meant to carry on the kingdom work of Jesus the tangible flesh and blood expression of Jesus in the world. I love what Frank Viola says in his book, From Eternity to Here, Rediscovering the Ageless Purposes of God. He says, evil spirits desire to inhabit human bodies because they crave expression. That's the whole point of possession. They seek to take over a human body so that they can express themselves through it, employing it for wicked purposes in the world. Jesus Christ is now in the spirit, and he craves expression also. He seeks to make his life visible through a many-membered being. The body of Christ exists to express God in the earth. That's what we're all about at Vineyard Cleveland. You want to know what vision is, where we're headed? We are about expressing God in the heart of the city of Cleveland. To express God in the heart of the city of Cleveland. And there's been a lot of talk about the kingdom of God recently, a revamp in, this, in the church, and that's all well and good. But for some folks, what they mean when they talk about kingdom work is like social justice. And I'm not knocking it. We do a lot of that here at Vineyard Cleveland. We do a lot of works of social justice, and that's what it means to follow Jesus, yes, is to go around doing good, do good things. But in the gospel narratives, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, you do not see Jesus going around spreading bark at a local elementary school. You see him healing, casting out demons, feeding the poor, yes, and prophesying over people. For everything that it doesn't mean, 
What it does mean is that the heart of discipleship, this is not marginal stuff, like on the fringe somewhere. This is the kingdom of God. This is the bread and butter of the kingdom of God. This is what it means to be a kingdom people, is to go around. And so it's not doing less of, not like less of spreading bark at your local elementary school or spending time with a refugee person like once a month or whatever, and you're like, I'm spreading the kingdom. The kingdom of God is spread. Yes, there may be some truth in that, but the kingdom of God is spread through healing the sick, casting out demons, prophesying over people, and preaching the gospel. That's the kingdom of God. That's what it means to be a kingdom of God people. So yes, do good in the neighborhood. Don't do less of it, but more. And if anything else, this is what the kingdom of God is. So in closing, three postures. Three postures. There are three postures when we hear something like this, a message like this. The one is closed. You may be like not open to this at all. Like I've not seen this in my life. I'm not even willing to discuss it. I'm closed. The other is like open. Yeah, like, yeah, I believe in this stuff, but I'm not like actively seeking it. And the third is like actively seeking this type of manifestation in the spirit. So the question that I would ask, if you're close, would you hang up? Would you like hang out with us for a little bit? I don't, there's not like any sort of like special power that I possess to like win you over. Maybe a scotch of it, but would you hang out? Maybe I could change your mind. If you're open and you're actively seeking, I would just, or if you're actively seeking, could I ask you, all of us, to ask the question of yourself and to the Lord, like what's standing in between you and these manifestations of the Holy Spirit? What is it? Is it fear? Is it, is it doubt? Is it busyness? Are you like, yeah, I believe all this stuff, but man, my job's killer. Like I'm just always at work. Are you too busy? Maybe it's like, Fear of like abuse. Maybe you grew up in like a Pentecostal circle and you saw like the abuse of these gifts. Would you give it another shot? Would you, would you open the challenges to open our lives to the work of the Holy Spirit? It's not like, hey, okay, let's go out and do these things. No, it's like, hey, let's open our lives to the Holy Spirit of God. Let's turn from those things that are stopping up the work of the Holy Spirit in our lives. And let's open our, whole, our lives to the work of the Holy Spirit to express the kingdom of God through our hearts and our hands. Would you join me in standing?